The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm always on the lookout for interesting ways to earn a living, ways that you can do things that other people dream about doing for recreation and actually make money at it. And one of the things I've considered in the past was being an over-the-road truck driver, especially if you can do it as a couple. I've read stories about retiring couples who go on the road together and they see the country and they make a lot of money while they're doing it. Well, sadly, I've never had the opportunity to do it. So today I've got Ben and Deb Martinek, who, Martinek, who have graciously agreed to come on and share with us what it's actually like. <laughs> Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and I'm your host. Thank you for being with me today. This is the show where we work hard to give you the ideas and insight and knowledge and skills that you need to live a rich and meaningful life now, while also building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. Yes, we want to get there as quickly as possible, and wouldn't it be great if you could take a retirement lifestyle and just do it now? Frankly, I think there are tons of these types of opportunities that are out there, and uh, truck driving is just one that I've thought would be pretty cool, uh, especially if you do it full time. But never having done it, uh, I can't give you uh, I can't give you what it's actually like. And so today we're going to talk with Ben and Deb, who've actually done it. Guys, I'm sorry I flubbed your name there. It's Martinek, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Martinek. You okay, got great. <laughs> so tell me the story. How did you guys wind up uh, living? Or- I guess I shouldn't say living in a truck. So I don't think I don't think you did that completely. But how did you wind up working together as a co-driving truck driving team? Well, it started. The conversation started before we got married. Um, we both have uh, graduate degrees, but um, in areas that aren't very high paying. And so we knew that we had this mountain of student loan debt from going to graduate school at a private um, university, and we weren't quite sure what to do about it. And so we knew we wanted to spend time together, make a lot of money to pay off that debt. And the only option that seemed to come forward, I, I mentioned it in just one day to Ben when we were uh, engaged. Well, maybe we should do truck driving. I come from a long line of truck drivers myself and uh, not knowing at the time that Ben has always had a fascination with large uh, machinery or uh, equipment like that. So he took me seriously and started looking into it. And the more research we did, the re- more we realized that you could make a lot of money, especially as a husband-wife team. And so that's what we set our sights on a few months after we got married. You know, honestly, it was uh, it was kind of a surprise to me that they even had team truck drivers. I thought, wow, maybe, I don't know if they'd even let us both drive the truck. I mean, what a novel idea. At least it was when we first started looking into it. But I was really floored to find out that... Um, yeah, it's very common. And actually, husband-wife teams in particular are a very highly priced commodity in, in the trucking industry uh, for many reasons. But uh, yeah, it's, it's probably some of the best paying work you can get as so a truck driver. Let me jump right to the money just because I want to get an idea. How much money could a couple make if they were to pursue this type of work? 
Well, it it would depend on your setup. I mean, because you have basically either company drivers, you have what are called owner operators. So, I mean, it's, you know, are you going to be your own trucking company or, or run your own truck? Or are you going to just run somebody else's truck? If you're company drivers, I mean, within nine months from the time we graduated from truck driving school to the time we came on with a second company, uh, we were making 100000 between the two of us. And probably, I mean, if we had pushed and done more miles, we could have maybe made it as high as 110 as company drivers. You know, and that's with folks who don't have any financial responsibility by and large. I mean, everything's covered by the company. You really, all the only thing you do is drive the truck and move the freight and go from spot to spot. Uh, as owner operators, if you take on more financial responsibility either between the fuel cost, which is a big one, or you're obviously maintaining and keeping the truck, you get you get a little more liberty in the routes you choose and when you decide to run and when you decide not to. But that does have more promise. And uh, I mean, it's just like anything. I don't think you could immediately step into this. But once you learn the business, I don't think it's out of the realm to think you can make as much as 125 to 150,000 as a team truck operator. And that that's probably just as a, a general average, I think. The more exclusive you get, the more specialized your routes become, and the better uh, either contractors or carriers or shippers you work with, yeah, it could get considerably higher than that. So the basic idea of the team driving, as I understand it, never never driven a truck, um, so just kind of give the intro and I want you to explain it more deeply. But the basic idea of why a team can be so valuable is by putting two drivers in one truck, you can run much closer to 24 hours a day than one driver because of the federally mandated rest times and the amount of time you're allowed to drive, the number of miles that you can do. If you've got two people that can drive and you can split out and one can sleep while the other drives, you can put a lot more hours. And so it actually can be a very valuable uh, a resource for the company. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Essentially, you can be driving 22 out of 24 hours in a day. And our our biggest claim to fame as far as our fastest load that we moved was um, 2,900 miles from Los Angeles to um, the Washington, D.C. area, I believe, that we did in just 52 hours. Wow. Uh, two of us that that was really a lot of fun we stopped i think a collective amount of two hours and 45 minutes like that was the truck not moving in that (laughs) 52 hour period and that includes you know our inspections we have to do and then stopping for fuel and then restroom breaks so in two and a half days not even you know we yeah we only stopped for three hours total wow so it, obviously, if you like being together, I mean, this gives you just a tremendous amount of time uh, to be together. What what else? I mean, describe to me kind of how you would run. You said you weren't in the truck full time. You would stop and, and go other places. Describe to me what the lifestyle was like. Well, again, I, it's largely going to depend on whether or not you're a company driver or not, because uh, if you're an owner operator, there's a lot more freedom into how you, you run. But so which, which, drivers, were you, which were you guys? We were company drivers okay, the whole time. Great. So I, and honestly, if I were to do this as a long-term vision, I would eventually go as an owner-operator without question. And towards the end of our time there, I was giving a lot of serious consideration to maybe doing just that. Uh, but as company drivers, you know, I mean, as long as you have the hours, you're expected to run and move freight. So, uh, and then, you know, how busy you are just depends on the company and how well they're doing and how many loads they have available to you. And I mean, there's a lot of factors that come into it. I mean, you you have both loaded and empty miles. And so you might come to a location and deliver a load, but uh, there might not be a, a, a local spot, a nearby spot that has another load going out. And you may have to travel a long distance. I mean, we went as far as one time, it's crazy to think about, but we went as far as a thousand miles to pick up a load. Uh, it was from Denver, Colorado, up to uh, the Los Angeles area. So depending on the company and their willingness to to run you empty to go pick up another load would depend on how regularly busy you would be. But yeah, I mean, you, you uh, 
I'm trying to forget the question. I'm forgetting so the question. <laughs> well, it's kind of a, a day in the life of what, sure. what trucking would look like for us. Ben usually took the shift from about 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, and we tried to keep it at uh, not stopping until you've driven about 200 miles. So about every three and a half to four hours, we would stop for a 15-minute break, um, you know, refill coffee, go to the bathroom, stretch the legs a little bit. Um And then uh, once we would switch over, we'd take a little bit of a longer break at that time, you know, fueling up, likely getting a bite to eat. And then I would drive from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. roughly. So we'd basically each take a a 12-hour shift. Um, And, you know, depending on how hard we had to run, we wouldn't take many breaks. But if we had a little bit more flexibility or if we had finished with a load and we had several hours before the next one would be ready to be picked up, we'd find a truck stop, um, take a shower, get a bite to eat, uh, maybe take a walk. You know, if it worked out on Sundays, we try to find a church somewhere to go. Um, otherwise, it was just pretty. I mean, you, you're at liberty of the schedule of the the loads that they give you, but you could find a lot of fun things to do in the meantime, though, too. Yeah, you know, it depend on the locale that you would just you would stop at. I mean, as you got to know the area of the country, because I mean, you really over time you got to know the country very well, and so if you knew you had time on a load, you would have a spot in mind of like, oh, we either have friends here, or this has a nice truck stop, or there would be easy access to other maybe a public transportation. And so we're going to do a long layover here and use this as a chance to to go and do some visiting and have some fun. So, you know, it, it just depends, I suppose, is in terms of your freedom, just how many, how, how busy of a time of a year it is freight wise, you know, as you move towards Christmas, uh, freight picks up. And so really from Thanksgiving to Christmas, it's really intense as truck drivers, at least over the road. We, we would normally run six to 6,000 to 6,500 miles a week. I mean, almost no time to stop at all. I mean, we were always running freight. But at, right after that, January, February, March, it'd be really slow. I mean, it was almost like a 50% reduction from in that point in miles. And so you'd have a lot more freedom then uh, to do some sightseeing if you wanted to. So you're really only paid per mile, whether you're a company driver or an owner-operator. Is that correct? Correct. Well, it's really by, you're paid by the load. I mean, they figure out how much to pay you by the load by the miles. So, but yeah, I mean, there's not like a daily calculation where you, you drove so many miles today, so you get paid. It's, you ran this freight, you finished this load, and now you get paid for it. Okay. So you said graduated, had a lot of student loan debt. What was, what happened for you financially during this period of time? We were able to pay off a lot of our student loan debt. <laughs> that was the main objective. You know, it, it took us probably seven months or so until we were finally at a a spot financially that we weren't hurting so bad. You know, we weren't just making it from month to month and we were able to make some progress on the debt that we had. So it was certainly slow going, but that in part was due to the fact that we started in the industry as inexperienced drivers and you need to cut your teeth before you get, uh, get that pay raise. When we first started out collect or yeah, jointly, we were probably only making like $38,000 a year between the two of us. It was really bad, but thankfully after we had enough experience, um, we were able to get on with a, a better national company that paid much the, the highest rates in the industry actually. And that's whenever we were able to make about a hundred thousand a year. When you were doing this work, did you live in the truck full time? Did you maintain a, a house still that you would go back to? And how did you work out that mix of working versus not working? Yeah, so I mean, long haul over the road drivers, I think pretty pretty commonly are out four to five weeks at a time. And then you get a day off for every week that you're out. So, and that's called your home time. So we did keep in an apartment. Uh, we had, uh, we were from the mid, Midwest, but Deb had spent some time previously out in Central Oregon and wanted to go back and I figured, well, what the heck, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to be over the road truck drivers anyhow. So we, we just up and moved back to central Oregon 
And we kept an apartment there throughout that time, which actually for tax purposes you need. I mean, if you're going to be able to write off the per diem and, and some of your pay against per diem cost, uh, which is, can be quite substantial. I mean, when we were over the road, I think close to 30 to 40% of our income was able to be a tax deduction due to per diem. But you have to have a home dom- domicile for that to, to qualify. So we had to have something of a residence. Otherwise, the IRS would have considered us just permanently transient employees. Explain, explain some of the details of the compensation because – and and kind of how much the costs were to maintain the apartment and not. Because to me, the big opportunity that I see, I know there are some people who want to do this type of lifestyle for their career. And if they can do it, you know, you know great. I, I, don't, I don't see how I couldn't do it, but, but I could do it for a few years doing something like you've done. And I would, well, I, you know, I, I would, I could see ways that I could put it to, to good use. I think it would be interesting to do for a few years and then move on to something else. But the financial calculations would seem to me to vary hugely depending on like an owner-operator versus company and then how the pay is structured and how much your other expenses were. So explain how the compensation is structured and your, your overall expenses, how much you're able to put away due to the trucking lifestyle. Yeah, you know, again, there's a lot, there is a lot of variability there because uh, – you could easily spend a lot of money being over the road. So, I mean, we took uh, cost saving measures in hand and uh, we would, we had a small little mini fridge cooler that we kept in between our seats, uh, you know, just plugged into uh, what do you call it? One of the PowerPoints uh, in, in the truck. And uh, we would stop for groceries once a week at a Walmart and fill up on different types of fruit, uh, sandwich meats, uh, milk, those sort of things. And so we did what we could where we, we purposely kept ourselves to maybe just ten to fifteen dollars a day we would spend in other eating cost. Because uh, again, I mean, if you're you're eating out breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, I mean, one you you really don't need to because physical activity wise, as at least as over the road truck drivers, is very minimal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can easily overeat and start gaining weight, and that was something we actually did have to spend uh, a concerted effort to keep our weight in check because uh, we both started gaining some weight. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, if you if you if you're thoughtful about it, I mean, our data cost for everything was just about 10 bucks a day between the times that we would go out to eat and then the, our coffee we we would grind up our own coffee and had a, a metal french press and then a, a large thermos that we would just top off the thermos with hot water at a truck stop and then we just made our, our coffee in-house and that was that was probably one of our biggest expenses or could have been one of our biggest expenses because it really it, the coffee is super helpful and uh I mean, it was probably just fifteen cents a cup for us versus about a buck fifty, buck seventy-five that it normally was at a truck stop. So, um, trying to think of some of the other cost-saving measures. I mean, we would buy, you know, like other people, we had a, a membership to Costco, so we would uh, buy in bulk and try to get an, a month's supply of food ration-wise, uh, and we would work our way through that throughout the time we were over the road. And I'm, I'm trying to think if there was anything else, if you have anything else that comes to mind. Just, I, I think, being thoughtful and considerate to our expenses and trying to keep things low. Well, and then our household expenses, too. You know, we still had to pay for the rent um, at the apartment and utilities and, you know, our cell phone and all those things. But we actually worked out an agreement with the apartment complex because they they needed to keep people in their apartments. And we used that as leverage to reduce our rate $100 a month for about a year, which was really nice. But I'd say those expenses were probably about $750 a month. And then you add in what we had for our our extra meals or, or fun things. We we weren't shy about treating ourselves on the road, though, either, you know, um, because we were living this nomadic lifestyle, for lack of a better term. We we wanted to enjoy ourselves and not, uh, not scrimp so much that we were just... 
everything that we made was going towards the debt. We wanted to enjoy ourselves too. So we, we definitely did that. <laughs> yeah, we had, there were splurges. I mean, when you had the opportunity, I mean, the thing is, is like, you didn't always have an opportunity to go out to a nice place to eat. So usually when that arose, it's like, oh, let's do this. And we need to take advantage of this or, I mean, because you have longer layover periods too. So, I mean, just in terms of the hours that you have, it's probably worth mentioning. You have, you know, each day you have roughly 14 hours of time clockwise to do up to 11 hours worth of driving. And so whenever you either hit that 11 hour mark of driving or that 14 hour period of on duty time, uh, you have to stop for at least 10 hours before those two clocks will reset and you can start again. So, and again, with that 10 hour period, I mean, that was enough that when the other person came on to start their driving, uh, they would do enough work that by the time they were ready to finish, my clock had reset. And then you can do up to uh, 70 hours, I think, in an eight-day period of work, at, at which point, even as team truck drivers, we'd actually would burn through that. And so you'd come to a point where our total hours for the whole week would be uh, consumed. And then in order to reset that clock, you can either start picking the hours up as, as the days roll off and roll back on. I mean, that can be a little complicated, but you learn it pretty quick. Or you just do what's called a 34-hour restart, where you have to be stopped for a total of 34 hours of off-duty uh, work um, before you can start driving again. So but with a team operation, actually, it's only about 24 hours because 10 hours of, of one person's clock can be spent in the truck while it's moving down the road. So you'd have, you know, once a week, roughly a 24-hour period where there wasn't anything going on. And so we would be strategic about like, okay, where do we want to spend our restart at uh, in order to either do some sightseeing or... I don't know, have some fun, or this just would be a nice truck stop to relax at or, or have or a shower nice up. meal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the meal is having a nice meal was like, I mean, that was like the highlight almost from week to week. Where do we want to get our nice meal at? So, yeah, sounds uh, sitting in a sitting in a vehicle driving constantly can be very wearing. And even if you've got a bed, you can sleep one at a time. I could imagine the anticipation of that day off uh, and having a nice meal or being able to do something, uh, something really fun. Uh, explain please, Ben, what you were saying about the per diem cost and how that's taxed versus the other aspects of your pay. Sure. I mean, I, I know some of the details of this, but it's been a little while, so some of them are kind of fuzzy. So, I mean, for most people, if you have to, if your work causes you to be away from where you live for an extended period of time, um, the meals and the lodging expenses of that can be written off up to 50% uh, associated with that as a tax deduction. For anyone who's regulated by DOT uh, regulations, the Department of Transportation, it's as high as I think it's 80%. Um, so as long as you can confirm that your work was taking you away uh, from home, which this would be, you know, for 30, 40 days at a time. Each of those days, uh, I'm trying to remember what the, the cap amount was. I mean, I think they allowed it like $150. So like 80%, I mean, this is just typical IRS stuff, is like 80% of $150 or something every day per driver was, uh, was a tax write-off to your income. So if you how, – how much was your – how much is a standard mileage rate um, when you're a top driver at a, at, a, uh, at a good company? Well, I mean this is five years removed. At the time, it was $0.48 cents a mile is what we were making. I think things have you know, adjusted with inflation. They're probably closer to mid-50s now. Okay. So uh, yeah. So let's just use $0.55 cents per mile. And how many miles could you generally do in a day? Uh, we would shoot – when we were – 
So you you don't necessarily every single day run a load. I mean, it all just depends on the Mm -hmm. how loads line up. But when we were on a load and running, it's probably at least twelve hundred, twelve hundred fifty miles a day is what we would run for each of you, or uh, total total. an average of fifty five hundred miles a week. Okay, so that twelve hundred dollars would come out twelve hundred miles would come out to six hundred and sixty dollars earned in a day between the two of you. And then what you're saying is that if you could have say up to $120, $150 a day. So let's just say half of that would be as a per diem reimbursement. Then the right. idea there is that's not subject to tax, subject to income tax. Uh, and so you've got about three hundred, three to $400 for that day of work that would be classified as ordinary wages as a company exactly. driver. And as ordinary wages, then that's the money that would be subject to income tax. So even though you might be earning, say, $100,000 in a year, if we just use that with ratios, you're actually going to be reporting income of like fifty five dollars or $60,000. Is that accurate? Yep, that's pretty accurate. So right. yeah, I mean, they, the IRS is presuming that you're spending a large amount of money in both food and lodging costs every day. And that's what they're giving you the tax deduction for. But in reality, I mean, we were spending like 10 bucks a day uh, out of out of our own pocket to cover the cost. Right. I mean, lodging was provided by the truck, you know, in the sleeper cab. And then, yeah, uh, we weren't spending anywhere near what they were wanting to offer to us as a tax deduction. Are there a lot of team drivers who do this full-time and don't maintain a place to live? You know, I don't know if that's so much the case. Uh, I mean, there were plenty of guys that we came across, older couples. I mean, there's a large number of married couples, one out there, especially I would say most a good percentage of team truck drivers are married couples. Um, but I mean, it would, I suppose it depend from couple to couple, but I mean, I heard of folks who would be away from home for three to four months at a time. I mean, they were really, they just lived on the road and then they just came home. Home was like a vacation spot for them. I'd maybe get a new fresh thing of clothes or something. I mean, I, I couldn't believe being away. There were a few times where we were gone for as long as 10 weeks from our place. And that felt like a really long time. I, I can't imagine being three to four months away from home right. uh, before coming back. I mean, it'd be like going out to out to sea or something. How how did you know when it, when it was time to quit? Yeah, well, I'll let Deb chime in on that. So, well, I was experiencing some poor health issues that weren't related to trucking, but were kind of exacerbated by it. Um, and so we had weighed our options and realized that if we were going to get off the road. Uh, now was the time. It would be better sooner rather than later. And so we started looking into what our options after life on the road would be. And um, through a lot of providential design, actually, we came across uh, Bismarck, North Dakota and decided that uh, uh, that seemed to be a very uh, appropriate fit, um, which seemed really strange because we were, um, in all of our time on the road, we had often made lists in our minds, you know, like, Oh, if we ever move from Oregon, this is where we'd want to live, or this is definitely where we wouldn't want to live. And Bismarck, North Dakota had never been on that list. Nowhere in North Dakota had been on that list. Um, but then it just seemed to, everything fell into place. And there was a lot of peace about that decision. And so we had decided it was shortly after Thanksgiving um, one year. And then by Christmas time, we had put a deposit on an apartment and uh, and moved to Bismarck in early February and haven't looked back. So it was really good timing for us to get off the road in a lot of ways. We didn't see it all at the time, obviously, but uh, it's worked out very, very well since then. You stole the next question off my ma- oh. out of my mouth. I was going to say, like, in seeing all these areas of the country, what did you learn and what are your perspectives about different areas? And, <laughs> and since you started the answer with Bismarck, what is it about Bismarck that oh. you like compared to all the places that you've been? Well, 
You know, it's hard to get a real feel for the community when you're out on the road. I mean, you you can get a, a feel for just the area um, driving through. One of our favorite places to drive, this is often a question that people ask, where did you like to drive the most? And the answer is always Nebraska. Always Nebraska. On I-80 in Nebraska, because there's very few people, even Omaha, a city of over 400,000 people, um, which may seem really small to some of your listeners, but that's kind of a big deal in the plain states. Um, <laughs> even, even in a... Um, you know, rush hour traffic, you never had to drive below 55 miles per hour. It was just very smooth driving. And the rest of the state was just wide open plains and very easy to drive through. Um, but it was in short, it was easy money. I mean, for truck driver, yeah. for us, I mean, I know other guys thought it to be boring, but for me, I loved it. I mean, it was easy money. I mean, you could easily listen to other stuff while you're going down the road, you know, listen to books on tape and that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we ate going up through the plain states whenever we could other parts of the country. Oh my Lord. I mean, it's so, so congested. Uh, you really earned your money. I mean, you had to be paying attention and, and just stay calm and patient and, and work with traffic, you know? Yeah. But once once we found and settled in Bismarck, um, you know, th- there are the, the stereotypes that people have about North Dakota, you know, that you get that you get that North Dakota nice and, you know, people give you the shirt off the back and, and we weren't quite sure what to expect. We just thought the people talked weird. Um, but once we got here, it's just the, one of the most amazing communities that I've ever had the privilege of being part of. And that's what made us want to stick around. We thought maybe that this would just be kind of a temporary thing for us to finish paying off the last of our student loan debt. And then we'd um, end up moving elsewhere. But it providentially has not worked out that way. And, and we're very thankful for that. You both had college degrees before working in trucking. I've had I've designed the scenario in my mind as kind of a radical financial plan um, as, of using trucking as a base of operations to uh, become educated in an area and to start a business. And so I'll just tell you kind of what I've sketched out in my head as as what might work, and then you feel free to shoot holes in it. But it sure. has seemed to me that if somebody went into trucking and a, a, a single person, uh, a single person with few family connections that they needed to be in a certain place. They could use trucking as a way to become extremely well-educated, establish a starting fund to, to, to either launch their life or to launch a business and to – it's just a really good integrated way. Uh, so if they – if a single person were very flexible uh, and they could not worry with the home base or they could just simply rent a, rent a cheap room somewhere and sometimes they go back to that room for their week off. Uh, sometimes they just take a week in a hotel in some other location. But given those restrictions on the time, the amount of time that you can do on the road, you're going to have some time sitting around where you're not going to be driving and you're not going to be sleeping. And I always go into the truck stops. I love to go to truck stops when I travel and I just see so many drivers just sitting there watching TV. And I'm right. sure that – I'm sure – and, I, and I, you walk around, I, walk, I always love to walk around the parking lot if I'm walking my dogs or, or something at night. And it seems like every other truck cab has the TV going. And I just right. think – Oh, man, you guys are wasting an opportunity for, for <laughs> education. Take some of that time and sit in your truck, get yourself a nice meal and get some books, do some correspondence classes. With the time that you can spend consuming audio content, uh, you can stream YouTube lectures, you can stream all kinds of things. You could become so well-educated in a few years. You could save a ton of money. And so any young – I guess you need to be 18 to get a CDL or 21. Uh, do, you, do you know? It's 21. 21. Yeah. Okay. So a young – doesn't work for a teenager. But somebody who's 21 years old who doesn't have um, resources could use trucking as a way to earn an income, save a lot of money, keep their expenses low, do it for three or 
or four years, become extremely well-educated in a certain area with being able to read during their time off, um, buying audiobooks on tape in their area, or using some of the technology now of text-to-speech, uh, reading, the Kindle reading, things like that to consume some of the books that, aren't, that don't have audiobooks, listening to podcasts, lectures, and then you have time in the evenings or, or whenever time during the day that you're stopped. You can take a couple hours every day and use that time as study and just really launch really launch in a really intelligent way. Um, is that possible or am I just delusional? You are 100% accurate. Ben often made the comment whenever you know, we were really getting into the thick of things with driving. And once we had discovered, you know, podcasts and iTunes, iTunes U and all these different things that we could, um, eh, you know, immerse ourselves in education. wise He would often say, man, I don't know why I ever decided to go to college. I should have just driven in a truck and got my education this way because I wouldn't have all the student loan debt to pay off. So right. you are very like-minded with Ben and his thoughts there, Joshua. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just take the amount of student loan debt. How much student loan debt total did you guys pay off? Well, student loan debt plus some of our credit card debt or retail debt, we had about $160,000 total. And we paid off um, a little over 100000 while we were on the road. Okay, so let's just use that $100,000 number. And how many years uh, were you working together doing this full-time uh, to pay off that $100,000? Two and a half years. Okay. It was, but really the first six months of that, it was just a break even because we were so uh, little paid. So, I mean, you, you'd have to look at this in the first six months. You're not going to make a lot of money, but it starts to pick up after that point. So, Which is reasonable. So let's yeah. assume that somebody could do what you did. To be able to start and pretend they didn't have the student loan debt, to mm-hmm. be able to start with $100,000, $100,000 is enough to buy you a huge measure of financial freedom. It's oh, enough yeah. to it's enough to to fund uh, the startup of a business. It's enough to fund seed capital to fund various investments. A hundred thousand dollars is down payments on rental houses. A hundred thousand dollars is seed company for all kinds of things. A hundred thousand dollars is enough for anybody who wants to have a freedom fund that they can use and leverage that uh, into just about anything else. So in two and a half years. By cutting the expenses and having the lower expenses associated with the trucking lifestyle and having the income and having the dual use of the time, just about any normal person can learn to drive a truck and and have a freedom fund in two and a half years. Yep. No, that really isn't uh, unrealistic at all, actually, Um, because Deb and I both hadn't had our our master's degrees fully completed either when we were over the road. So I finished my master's thesis while driving and she completed her and prepared for her comprehensive exams while driving. Uh, so, I mean, it, it does lend itself to even in-depth study. I mean, there are, there are limitations. I mean, there are some of the challenges you, we faced, you, somebody would face is, uh, the life is so varied and jostled. And as much as you try to keep a schedule, there could be so many things that would just mess up your plans. And so you, you have to have a willingness to be flexible and just kind of let things come as they come, as they play out. Uh, it, because of that jostling, it would, it would be hard to stay motivated or focused, you know, <laughs> Sometimes, you know, all you wanted to do was just rest uh, or just get out of the truck, too, honestly. Sure. I mean, it's an eight by eight foot box is all you're <laughs> staying in. Uh, so but that said, I mean, I think if you were focused enough, determined enough and we were pretty, uh, we, we were able to take advantage of it because even when you have 10 hours off, the other person's driving and you're in the back uh, sleeping, uh, you don't sleep the whole 10 hours. I mean, it was only a handful of times that either one of us conked out and stayed asleep the entire time in the back. A lot of times, at least for me in particular, with the, the time that I ran, I'd just sleep for three or four hours, then I'd be awake for three or four hours. And I, that's when I would work on other things. I and mean, then I'd go back to sleep for another two to three. 
and then get ready to go for my next shift. So, yeah. Um, what if, so since then you've gone on and you started a, a financial planning business. So what, tell me about kind of this transition and how you actually exited truck driving, uh, to do financial planning and how truck driving still plays a role in your current lifestyle. Right. Well, I mean, I had got interested in finance, business, investing way back in grad school. Uh, a fellow classmate uh, of mine was already running a few businesses. And uh, honestly, I'm not even quite sure why he decided to pursue a master's degree in philosophy, but he did. And uh, he turned me on to some of this stuff. Um, so it was already in my mind before we had started driving truck. But we eventually had stumbled upon uh, Dave Ramsey and his uh, radio program and what he had offered. Uh so, I mean, that was one of the other fun things is you could listen forever. You know, I mean, the podcasts weren't quite as prominent as they are like today. But, uh, I mean, they, they were they were around. But, I mean, Dave Ramsey's radio show, we both listened to it for three hours a day. So that really got our interest peaked when it came to finance. That really helped, too, with maintaining our focus and commitment and dedication to what we were doing and getting about. And, Gazelle intensity. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like, every day, you know, we have Dave telling us, you know, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. And, I mean, it was good. It really worked as like a coaching for us as we were living uh, day in, day out on the on the road. Um, so he actually was the one who introduced the idea of becoming a CFP. A few people had inquired about how maybe they could make a career helping others financially. I had no idea. Even up to that point, I had studied five or six years, a lot of it just for personal reasons as a hobby. But uh, yeah, he, he suggested you could become a CFP. And I had never heard of that before, you know. And uh, so I checked into that. And that's when... I started tossing that around as a potential career move once we finished with truck driving, because we always knew it to be a temporary thing. We wanted to do it as, well, we wanted to do it for a lot of reasons, but one of them, the main reasons was student loan repayment. And, and the other is we were newly married and we were young and we were like, what the heck, let's go see the country. This will be fun. We're going to get paid to do this. So, but long-term wise, I didn't want to continue truck driving forever. So it was like, well, how are we going to transition? So yeah, I mean, I, I had considered quite a few options. Um, I had given thought maybe to going back to academia and pursuing a doctorate and maybe uh, uh, resuming a, a career path uh, teaching philosophy at a college. But it, it just seemed to me, I suppose, to make the most sense to to continue on with finance. I saw that as a, just a better, better alternative. So it's been something that's been in the works uh, in terms of getting this business off the ground for probably five years or better now. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, we're slowly, slowly getting together. We've officially launched... Uh, last year and uh, we're really catering to the younger generations folks who are in the xy uh generation and uh trying to help them if you could look at kind of a financial trajectory it, it almost like an air flight you know you you have your takeoff and then you get up to kind of a cruising altitude and then you go and land i think a lot of financial planning is geared towards people who are in that coasting mode you know they've reached their high altitude phase and now they're looking maybe eventually to land the plane not a lot's being given to the people who are on the front side of things and that's uh, that's where I want to be putting my focus and effort and assistance to for clients. So you're building uh, your firm is called Bonafide Finance, and you're building kind of the the model we've talked about many times, the XY Planning Network model of small practice working with younger couples doing fees that are not just based upon assets under management, but based either on an hourly or retainer model. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, right. It's, you know, a fee for service too. So I have some specific selected uh, services that I would offer either kind of a comprehensive plan or, or the plan broken up in parts and then you're paying for specific parts. So depending on maybe what a client uh, would need or want. Yeah. And, you know, giving uh, some, I, in my opinion, third party objective advice to a person's uh, circumstances and 
and uh, kind of giving them direction and guidance as to where they got to go and what they need to do right now in their finances. And I, what I have found to be really powerful about that is because there isn't any involvement of a product, uh, people really take to heart that when I say you need to, let's say, get long-term disability, like they don't bat an eye on it. Like they're like, oh, okay, I had no idea, but that was such an important component to uh, our finances. We're going to, uh, we're going to look into that right away. You know, it, it I mean, now there's still a question of how much they can afford, maybe what exactly is the right plan for them. But in terms of communicating the urgency to people, like I, it seems to me a very effective way for people to come across and get the message that right. this is something you need. Right. With with regard to your, you're in the startup phase, still the business, working on it for a couple of years, uh, you're still driving a truck, right? Uh, as a way to part-time produce uh, extra income. Is that right? Yeah, so one, I mean, one of the things that did bring us out to Bismarck, uh, it's kind of a long story in that regard, but uh, the parent company of of one of the ch- child companies that was locating, working out of Central Oregon, resides in Bismarck. And so the idea early on was maybe I would come on over here as a truck driver with a larger company, and then maybe we could find out a way to get relocated back to Central Oregon, just because we liked it there so much. And it's a really, really beautiful area. I mean, the whole Northwest people aren't familiar with the Pacific Northwest, they should go on visit. It's gorgeous. But um, yeah, I, uh, that, that initial plan had fallen through. I decided to get on with an insurance company here locally early on and try to make a go of financial planning then. And that was my first introduction in the business and started to see how things were done. And honestly, some of it was kind of a surprise in terms of it, what was being done was different from what I was expecting. But when that, that arrangement didn't fully pan out, I decided to go back to local truck driving. So I, none of this is over the road. What I currently do, I, I work with the part of the business that's called LTL, less than a full truckload. And I run what's called a dedicated route and which freight more or less makes its way up to our terminal here in Bismarck. And then I'm the one who, who delivers it for the customers up into the specific region of the state that has been assigned to me. So, and uh, I run that route uh, twice a week and uh, make my deliveries and it's, I, I come, I go out and I come back in the, in, in the same day. And honestly, it, it's really come to be really, rather enjoyable for me. I, I, I like running that route, but it's also given me the flexibility to focus on, on running the business. I, I, I still get about 30 hours worth of work in, in those two days. And then I have, you know, the other five days of the week to focus and work on the business and meet and meet and work with clients. Do you have a guess of what your hourly rate is running a, a, a route like that? Well, it is paid hourly. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's some parts of the LTL business that are run paid by the mile, but the work that I do as a pickup and delivery driver is paid hourly. So, yeah, right now I'm making twenty five dollars an hour. If you wanted to do this from a long term perspective, I mean, there's some other carriers that pay better for sure, and I know of them to be as much as twenty seven to twenty nine dollars an hour. But you know, the exact pay of that's just going to be dependent upon local demand for truck drivers and where you're at in the country here locally with the oil boom that took place. That really pushed uh, the hourly wages up for for drivers. So I'm really benefiting from the local boom that took place. My my wages, I think, higher than the average driver for the standard of living that we have. That's great. The, the reason why I, I point that out, I think a lot of people often um, would see doing something like you're doing as a negative thing. They say, well, <laughs> you're a financial planner, but you're a truck driver. Like These things right. don't <laughs> usually go well together. Uh, so... But to me, I see it as a positive because it allows you to do a couple things. I've done the same thing with Radical Personal Finance, working on the side. If you have to put all of the pressure on a new business to make you income in the short term, 
it can be very challenging to get a business from nothing to profitable enough to run your lifestyle in a short period of, period of time, especially if you're trying to not sacrifice your integrity or not sacrifice your principles or if you're trying something new. So having a side job can be really, really valuable. And working as a truck driver is almost the perfect type of side job to have where you are in some ways like – you're, you're a commodity. You're just a driver. You show up. You do your job. Once your job is done and the load is there and the truck is parked back at the depot, you're done. There's nothing about the job that follows you home. You don't have to deal with any stress of those things. You're just working while you're working and when you're not working, you're not working. Uh, and because of – there's a you know licensing requirements and, and professional experience requirements that raises your, your hourly wage substantially and it can be a great way to spend and take a couple days and make it make some money to make it worth it. And that allows you to buy your independence uh, because you wouldn't be able to start uh, without that. It would be very difficult to start a financial planning firm from scratch where everything's on you and be able to do it profitably from the beginning without burning through a tremendous amount of savings. So I pointed out as a, a positive benefit because it allows you to keep your independence. It allows you to keep your business model pure. You don't have to sacrifice um, anything that's important to you in order to gain enough money from, from some other aspect. And I think that is something that many people should seriously always consider looking for is the type of thing that you're doing where you can gain uh, – well, just like I said, you can, get, you can gain income without being emotionally committed to the future of the, the side job. Right. No, it's, I can't say I, it's a perfect setup that I have right now. I don't know if I could have dreamt up an even better setup. And some of it comes to with the company that I work for. It's a local outfit that's headquartered out of Fargo here. Uh, you know, they're mostly an upper Midwest company, but, uh, you know, they're, you know, what's kind of a typical saying you might, you might hear they're, they're large enough to, to make it work, but small enough to care or something like that. You know I mean? They, they have still kind of a, a mom and pop family atmosphere to them, even though they're probably 750 employees large or something. Uh, and so, I mean, I know the managers directly. I, we all know each other very well. And so they know exactly what I'm up to. They know that I'm trying to get this business going. They're happy to see me uh, try to do it. They think it's great of me. And uh, they're kind of willing to help, really to help me succeed. You know, they want to work with me. Uh, but at, at the same time, I'm also doing a route that a lot of other drivers don't want to run. And to be honest, I don't I don't understand why it is. I mean, the route that I have, it, it takes about three hours to get up there. And then depending on just the freight you have for the day, when the deliveries are at and potential holdups that you might have with each of the deliveries, it'll take anywhere between four to six hours to get unloaded and then it's three hours back and then maybe some dock work. So the days tend to be long. I mean, it's usually about 14 hours. They've been as long as 16 hours for me. But I mean, they're, I mean I've got three hours of driving, six hours total coming and going uh, to be able to listen to podcasts, to do other things, to think, or just take a break and enjoy enjoy the prairie, honestly. I mean, we live in a, a really beautiful part of the country and it's quiet. It's easy driving. I mean, short of, of the winters that can be, can be tough, uh, sledding, you know, use that expression, but not every day is that way. Even during the winter time, I have a lot of freedom to just kind of do what I need to do and, and pursue that. And, and the company I have again is supportive. They, uh, they, they think it's kind of great that I'm, I'm doing this too. And I'm not going to just be a truck driver. That's great. I'm with you. I like driving. <laughs> if, someone, yeah. if, if someone would pay me 25 bucks an hour to go out and, and drive two days a week, I don't know. I'd be tempted by that because I enjoy <laughs> it. I like driving. <laughs> it's one of my, my, my things. I, I, I don't I enjoy it. It's, it's, I like being out on the road. One of my happiest places is, is being behind a wheel, you know, with the interstate in front of me. 
Well, and honestly, once you add the gears, I mean, I, it's a 10-speed transmission. And so you just get used to you, you shifting and you got air brakes and the whole bit. I mean, there's a lot I love about it. feel like a job, man. <laughs> I know. But I've got a beard now to go with it. I, mean, I feel like I'm the truck driver. You, you put know? on your, your flannel shirt. and <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. You started, and someday soon you probably start chewing tobacco to fit in. Uh, <laughs> fit in. Well, you got to put a stop somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That might interfere with the wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, awesome. Ben, Deb, this has been really fun. Is there anything else, or any words of wisdom, you know, even speaking to truck drivers, anything else that you'd love to share with my audience about ways to, to really use this idea or other ideas uh, to capitalize and improve their own financial lives? I would just say that you you have to be open and realistic that uh, life demands sacrifice. No matter how you look at it, no matter what your um, what your end game is, you you need to sacrifice sometimes in little ways, sometimes in big ways. But but that can really give you a big payoff. I mean, when we first started off trucking, I certainly never thought we'd be and ended up living in North Dakota with the life that we have now live now. But we never would have gotten here had we not taken the steps we did and drove all those miles we did and had that experience of, of truck driving. So it. It was a lot of fun, but it was also a sacrifice in a lot of ways. I mean, we kind of glorify it a little bit in our memory, I think. But uh, um, it's it's you, you deal with a lot of frustration, and so there is some hardship that comes with it. But it's worth every bit of sacrifice, not only with over the road truck driving, but also with the the driving that Ben is doing now in the midst of of working on his business. Uh, but it's so worthwhile. You know, you you see the end game in sight, and you've got to trudge through sometimes to get to that point. But it's worth it. Every, every single time. Right. Well, and then, you know, honestly, truck driving is not a bad career. In terms of blue collar work, it's probably some of the best work you can get out there. Uh, I mean, right now I do LTL work, so I actually move the freight. So, I mean, it's a little more labor intensive, which I actually kind of enjoy. I, I mean, my, my workout uh, twice a week is my job. I don't have to pay any extra for it. And I, I mean, some of my pallets I move are up to three to 4,000 pounds. I mean, that's not common, but they do get that heavy and yeah, I mean, it, you, you build some bulk uh, to be able to, to to do the job. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know, even just over-the-road truck driving, if you're willing to pursue some of the more special line, lines of hauling, it, it can pay very well for you. I mean, because things you may not think about, but, I mean, like a museum art exhibit that has to be moved around from the country has to be hauled by a truck driver. And so it, a lot of times they're responsible, too, for the loading and unloading the freight. Uh, you can step into that. Uh, baseball teams, concerts. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other more specialized over, you know, oversize, uh, over length, those sort of loads, which require a good bit of experience to get into it. But once you get into that, that can be a very good paying line of work, uh, even on a long-term basis. And I have to be honest, every now and again, I'm tempted to like, well, maybe <laughs> I'm at a point now where I've driven enough, have a clean up enough of a record. It's sometimes tending, like maybe, maybe I should just pursue that, you know, that would be a nice, uh, could be a nice career path. Uh, the work isn't that isn't that intensive for once it is, once you learn it. And uh, uh, it can it it pays well for the amount of time it took you to become a truck driver. I would also certainly, just as kind of a closing thought here, recommend uh, for those that are nearing retirement age, we've often talked that once we hit that or, you know, once our daughter or any possible future children are out of the house, that we would like to go back to trucking just because it was such an enjoyable time and you get paid for it. So uh, what's not to love about that? You get to see the country, you get a lot of great experiences, eat some great food and get paid very well. <laughs> you reminded me of one other thing, though, that I need to ask you about real quick. Um, because uh, in closing up and just one comment on what you said, uh, trucking is a great – well, I'll, I'll phrase it in the form of a question. Obviously, you've seen trucking would be a great career 
with the exception of if you have a family. Right. I mean, I just see some of these men, especially who are out on the road. Uh, and like you said, when you're on the road weeks at a time, uh, talk, even if you can just call home and talk to your family every night or every day, that's still nothing like being there. And right. so it would seem to me that, yeah, husband and wife couple out together, that could be really good. But I would have a very difficult time rec- recommending over the road trucking as a, as a career to anyone with a family. Am I accurate in that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that, that is definitely accurate. And that is the thing to keep in mind. It, I mean, there are, the industry is aware of this. Uh, I mean, right now there's a shortage of drivers. So, I mean, they know they need to be doing more to try to make it uh, more appealing to folks to try to step up and do this. It's an older generation, older. Uh, I, I don't remember what the average age is for drivers, but I know it's it's higher than what the, the industry would like it to be. Uh, but it's because of those challenges of how do you how how can we make this work where we we need a driver who's flexible and can be anywhere and go anywhere at any time, but who's also able to support a family and, and actually be at home? Because I met plenty of guys who were trying to do that, and it was just it, it was the pits for them because you'd get home for three to four days and you would just want to use those time that time just to rest yourself to kind of recuperate from you know the the jostled schedule that you have as a truck driver. And then there'd be this long hunting do list that you'd like to get to, but by the time you finally got somewhat acquainted and into schedule back home, it was it was time to go back on the road. And so, I don't know. It, it definitely is not the life for someone who's got a young family, especially, but really a family at all. It's it's better suited if you're either single or well, you're a, you're an older couple who's who is wanting to retire. I, honestly, if you're looking to retire, I I couldn't recommend it enough. I I do think it would be a great. It does have its its takeaways, and there are. Uh, plenty of stuff to learn and things to do and not to do. But uh, yeah, I, I think if you're an older couple and you wanted to use truck driving as a retirement plan, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea at all. So the other question I was going to ask is there are other methods or ways that you could uh, get into um, driving as a, an income source that doesn't necessarily involve a semi-truck. So for example, I've uh, spent some time sometimes poking around the uh, the expediter forums online, right. reading about these guys and they're driving a van and they're doing expedited freight, you know, hauling a, a couple of pallets in a big white van uh, from one destination to another. Could you just touch briefly on some of the other business models if somebody wanted to pursue something like this, but they didn't necessarily want to uh, drive an 18-wheeler and talk about the advantages and disadvantages of those models? Right. I mean, that's not something I'm as familiar with, but, you know, we, towards the end of our time, we were certainly giving serious consideration becoming owner-operators. Because, again, I haven't gone into the detail of that. I mean, there was one driver I came across. One of the, the big in- reasons for why I started considering is we happened to talk to a guy from uh, the Northeast, and we, we met up with him in Portland, Oregon, at a truck stop watching a, base- or a football game. And uh, he hauled uh, veneer panels from the Northeast out to Central Oregon to put, to have them applied to plywood so that they could then be shipped back out to Chicago. So some of this stuff is nuts, too. First of all, the routes, you know, but you have to get something all the way from the Northeast out to the West Coast. They only go back, back East. But he got paid just for that one shipment from the Northeast out to Central Oregon. Uh, it took him about four days as a solo driver, and he got paid about eight grand to cover all his cost, more or less per week. To do that, and then he would have freight already set up to take him back, and so he had, in his own particular circumstance, I mean, he only had to work about nine months out of the year. He had great flexibility, and he was making about a, a hundred grand, I think. I mean, this was netting uh, each year for that nine months worth of work, and really opened up the doors for him to do a lot of uh, other activities. So, I mean, that, I was like, wow, owner operator, this could be kind of sweet. There's a lot of uh, good pay potentially there, and, and flexibility. 
So one of the one of the aspects then of of trucking uh, is called custom critical or the expedited uh, uh, side of the business, where folks need something that's highly either highly secure or highly time, time sensitive, and needs to go you know with, with great urgency. And you don't have to necessarily haul an eighteen wheeler, although there are custom critical eighteen wheeler uh, divisions. But a lot of them are just straight vans with a very nice sleeper. They tend to have a, very, a much nicer sleeper than you have in your typical semi. And uh, people just go around in a straight truck moving freight. Uh, it's kind of like an ambulance-like setup. You know, once you get the call <laughs> for the freight to be moved, you have to stop and drop everything you do and, and move. But yeah, the pay in that sort of circumstances uh, is pretty good. So that, w- that if you didn't want to drive an 18-wheeler and that would be intimidating to you, Although I have to say, after doing it for as long as I do, I mean, I feel like it's just a big SUV to me anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm really used to them. But uh, if you found an 18-wheeler to be too intimidating, there, there are other smaller versions of over-the-road life that you could pursue uh, that in, in many ways to pay just as well as an 18-wheeler, if not better. Yeah, and there's there are other ways to get into the business as a part-time thing, a part-time thing or with less financial risk than buying a multi-hundred-thousand-dollar semi-truck. Uh, so I see guys, I talk to the guys that run, just running a, a one-ton pickup truck hauling you know, three or four cars. Uh, you can haul right. cars. You can haul, you can drive the van and, and be, do expedited freight. Like There's all kinds of little niches, just like any business. And you can find something that fits you and your personality and your goals. Uh, I talk to some of the expediters, you know, you just spot them there in a white van, usually sitting at a, a truck stop. I just talk to them. And some of them really love that style lifestyle because they have more free time and they don't mind just being at the call of, of the, they don't mind being at the, being all of a sudden sent, sent from here to there because they like, they have more free time than perhaps you might as a company driver. So, um, there are different ways, just like with anything. Uh, well, awesome. Ben, tell me, tell us about, you have your website for your business in case anybody would like to connect with you for your financial planning expertise. And also, uh, do you want to publish the blog that you guys wrote when you were on the road actively? Yeah, sure. I mean, that would be fun. My wife was the main person to write on that. I really, we were just looking through some of her posts yesterday. She has such a nice style, I think, in terms of writing. It captures a lot of just the moods that we had in terms of driving and different things. So it's been a good memoir of sorts. Um, so that blog, I'll let Deb chime in on that because she knows it better than I do. But <laughs> the uh, the web address is trucku42, uh, all spelled out, dot blogspot.com. So T R U C K Y O U F O R two.blogspot.com. And then um, for the uh, all the trucking posts, it's just a backslash trucking. And that will hold up or pull up all of the posts that we had um, for trucking. So it, it's, a, it's a really fun memoir to go back through there and read um, all of the, the fun times and the exasperating times because there certainly were lots of those too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the business is bonafidefinance.com. Uh, so it's bonafide finance, but I have a Latin background. I might minor i had a minor in latin and greek and so it's bona fide finance.com <laughs> one of those snobs <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I still keep up on it actually so it's kind of fun to be able to still uh, it's not as much as it used to be but i can still read latin so that's awesome well thank you guys both very much for coming on i really appreciate it yeah, yeah thank thanks, you joshua <laughs> So, my friends, that's it for today's show. Here's, here's my encouragement uh, to you as we go. Uh, if you're interested in trucking, use some of the information that uh, Ben and Deb have shared with us on today's show. Uh, I think it's a legitimate 
opportunity for a short period of time. And I meant to ask him if truckers are paying attention to the fact that they're going to be completely out of a career in probably, I guess, a decade with self-driving trucks. But um, who knows? Uh, that's something you can research yourself. But I don't uh, – I should at least just mention I don't think trucking has a long-term – career. They already have the technology. Uh, go online if you're not familiar with it. They already have the technology for self-driving trucks. And once they get the regulatory environment figured out, uh, the industry will be pressed toward efficiency and many truck drivers will be out of out of work. Uh, a lot of hurdles to it still, but many truck drivers will be out of work. However, it is still an opportunity in today's world that many people, uh, many of you might want to pursue. Or... Take something like this and think about your life goals and think about if there's another opportunity that's near to you that would fit your goals. Is there a way to use something like being an over-the-road truck driver wherein you're provided with housing, you're provided with uh, food, you have lower expenses, and you can work hard, work a lot, and make a lot of money in a short period of time due to a lot of hard work? Uh, whether you're working on an oil rig up in, in Bismarck, North Dakota, whether you're driving a truck, whether you're fishing you know, during the summer in Alaska doing salmon fishing, or whether you're crewing on a freighter somewhere, or whatever that type of approach is, you can take some of these blue-collar jobs that don't require a lot of experience or a lot of education, that have some basic entry requirements, and you can get into some of these things where they allow you to save a substantial amount of money in a short period of time. And because of that ability to save a lot of money in a short period of time, that fund essentially becomes your freedom fund. Uh, like ben, from Ben and Deb's experience, if they hadn't spent that time paying off their student loans, just imagine two and a half years of work and you come out the other end with $100,000 in the bank. That's really compelling. And $100,000 in the bank is enough to take the experience and knowledge that you learn from other things and apply it to your own financial freedom. Take these ideas and run with them. That's it for my show. Uh, if you enjoy and appreciate these concepts, please consider supporting Radical Personal Finance on Patreon. You can become a patron of the show at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.